0: Hello, this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. We're live every Sunday from 10am on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn and our website propertymatterstv.co.uk. If you're watching on our website, please leave us a Google review. And if you're watching via social media, please get involved in the conversation via the comment section below. We'd love to hear your views on our stories. if you'd like to email with suggestions for things to talk about, hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk is the address. If you don't have time to watch the whole show and you'd like to listen to it while you're on the move, then you can get it as a podcast every Monday from the main platforms on the screen there now. And you can also listen to us on Dilsay Radio as well. So let's take a look at this week's property news with our property expert, Joe Joshi. Hi, Joe.
1: Yes, good morning. Good morning, uh, everybody, to to our listeners and our viewers, of course. And uh, there's a glimmer, a very small glimmer of sunshine after the absolute downpour yesterday. (laughs) But anyway, that's that's the brightest note I'm going to give you so far, but there'll be other things to come
0: soon. I don't know which one, in terms of forecasts, I don't know which is the worst one, the one for property or the one for the weather, to be honest with you. But anyway, that was just a thought I had this morning. Uh, Excuse me. Let's just um, uh, get into the UK house price index. This is a once a month thing that we get from Zoopla, of course, and this is the July information. What's really interesting here, Joe, is that demand falls 18% as mortgage rates spike higher. Now, no surprise in that headline, but demand for homes recovered in the first half of 2023. So that's the end of June, of course, as mortgage rates fell towards 4%. Remember those heady days, supporting an increase in new sales, but mortgage rates rising quickly over the last six weeks towards 6% has reduced buying power and hit demand, which has now fallen 18% over the last two months. So it was just about sort of um, level and, and, and almost slightly increasing, and then all of a sudden, just like it's fallen off a cliff. However, not as stark as the drop that we saw at the end of 2022 after that disastrous mini-budget uh, or when the first lockdown was introduced. So we've had worse times than this. Demand has weakened off uh, of, of a lower base and is currently running at 6% below 2019 levels. Year-on-year demand is down 40%, but sales agree they're only 17% lower, yet we see more committed buyers and sellers in the market. So. Now, as a result of all that, as you can see on the screen, and I'll read the figures for those listening, uh, annual UK house price inflation now still going up at 0.6% a year. So you're still making something on your money, sort of. Um, in buyer demand over the last two months, as we just said, down 18%. and minus 5% projection for annual house price inflation over 2023. So over the year, you are going to lose out long term.
1: No surprise in those figures, Joe, I'm guessing? none whatsoever paul None at all um it's kind of actually it's not as probably um damning as one would like to think of it in in the reality of uh, um, of the market on the cold face um, obviously you have to bear in mind lots of other things whilst the zoopla takes statistics into consideration we can actually give you the real touchy feeling version of it and of course july august uh, is the beginning um, and the, and the, right in the peak of what we know as the kids' holidays, summer holidays. And so priorities tend to change. And, of course, those numbers do tend to dip uh, whatever happened. And that's been historical as long as I can think back that it's been about the same. It's just that, obviously, bad news sells better than good news. Um, and, and the media loves all the, you know, heady headlines of house prices dropping and the world is you know going to come to an end any minute now and all that kind of stuff but the reality is that um, you know as you say that the, there is it is still in the plus in terms of what's happened so far in values and in the marketplace there is more availability of stock because obviously um, that supply and demand factor kicks in um, and of course right now um the interest rates are the ones that are biting uh, in every possible way for every and any potential buyer whether it's a first-time buyer or a investor buyer and for investor buyers it's definitely it's off the richter scale because it's just not working out it's not giving them a return on their investment though i was watching the news during the week and there was an elderly chap who was on, on the announcements of the interest rate was actually you know it was like watching the football match of the world cup and he was cheering uh all the way because it went to five and a quarter percent which meant that he was actually beginning to earn some interest on his savings, and and so he was really really happy and, and you know um, exuberant and you know, jolly and and so forth. And so you know it, it's it's about the, the the cloud and the silver lining. There's something for someone everywhere. Before the buy the the mortgage owners, they had the chance, and now the, the savers have got a bit of a chance.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that uh, um, there are certain areas of the country where this is the story, but there are other parts of the country where it's the opposite side of it. So it's, it's, there's this, this ceiling, as you can probably see on the screen there, where it says modest annual price falls of around minus 2.2% concentrated in the south of England or markets where an average price is over 300,000. So anything where the average price is 300 grand or above prices are falling, but and that's all four regions of the south of England and Northern Ireland, for example. But then in other regions, and I think there are seven regions, if I read rightly, um, yes, yeah, seven other regions across the UK where growth of over 1% is being experienced, and that's being led by Scotland. House prices there going up 1.9% at the moment. I mean, heady times in Scotland.
1: Well, you know, you never know what happens in, in, in the North, and especially with uh, We Scots Scotland, but the the reality is that, um, yes, London is always going to be the leader in both directions, when it's coming down, it's going to be the, the fastest and the quickest, and when it's going to go up, it's going to go the same way, so these, these graphs that you know you love showing um on our program are graphs that were completely reversed in 22 21 22 mm. um and, and so forth and now and then i can tell you that in the next two years 24 to 25 you'll see the reverse again because that's the way the market tends to go um people will get settled with the the interest rates the interest rates are likely to settle now. they're not you know we're, we're dreaming about them coming down it's a dream Um, and if it does come down it literally would be a dream the chances are that we are kind of where we are hoping to be i always said it would probably be around five percent but it's probably going to be five and a half six percent at the at the end and then it might drop back to five percent but circa five percent is going to be where the interest rates will now settle for the foreseeable future in terms of mortgages um and that was long coming we had mortgages at a very very low rate um and you know lenders were looking to make their money and now they are going to make their money um back as time goes on um and yes so when you look at house prices differing the outskirts now are very different on the basis the moves are mostly social moves some are job moves um and some are just moves because of the students and and, and some other other factors. But London is an international move. It's always about what it attracts, and it attracts a lot of international uh, people across. But uh, obviously, they're making it more and more uh, difficult and harder for people to buy properties uh, that are living outside of the country, into the country, especially in London.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, actually, uh, if you look at the south, there is one part of the south which is actually outperforming. So London as a whole, the prices are down 0.6%. But in west central London, they're up 1%. And I wonder if it's got something to do with um, uh, position, maybe something like the Elizabeth line or something like that. Because if you look at uh, typically around London, you've got South End down 1.5%, Watford down one2 northwest Hertfordshire. So all of these uh, sort of commuter belt places around the M25 area roughly, all down... In excess of one percent and then you've got west central london i think i've got a graph here there we are uh, so if you look on the screen here now you can see that uh, all these different uh, areas so the purple ones are all the rest of the uk and uh, house price growth there uh, if you look at the price at the bottom so you've got a hundred thousand pounds two hundred thousand pounds three hundred thousand pounds so Actually, across the UK at the moment, if you look at um, house prices up to 300,000, quite a few areas of the UK are actually higher than uh, the prices are still going up. As you come across towards the houses that are four, five, six, and 700,000 pounds, you can see, and as the uh, pink is all of the different London areas, you can see most of them are still falling. But there's West Central London, look, WC at the very end there up uh, just over one percent so i don't know what it is have you got any idea why west central london should be bucking the national trend joe seeing
1: as you're so close to it because fundamentally it's about the um, accessibility really of um so people want to move to areas where they have accessibility for nightlife for working life and just general you know links it's all about communication and so sometimes when you go into like East London and North London and the outer boroughs as you, as you rightly say going towards edging on to Essex, Kent and sort of uh, Canary Wharf. so that is just even in London's journey time uh, even through the Elizabeth line that has come through is now still you know, it's still one, 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 one hour 20 minutes uh, across whereas when you're looking at the the south side or the West London and South side, you are going into London probably in 30 minutes, 35 minutes and so forth. So it's about the time journey that allows and therefore that demand is always higher on that side. And then, of course, it's about all the other facilities that they have. And When you look at silly things like events throughout the year, a lot of the main events are all around West London, Berkshire, Surrey, Buckinghamshire, and so forth. So that commuter belt, that sort of what we known as the stockbroker belt, it becomes the more uh, demanding. Uh, the the one where people want to actually perhaps uh, concentrate their living more.
0: There's some interesting facts here about uh, and and if you think about it logically, right? A higher house price means a larger mortgage. It means a bigger deposit. It means that you have a higher household income required to buy the home. And not all of the big money homes are the bulk of all the transactions. There's a lot of homes that are sold at the more affordable level where first-time buyers particularly are coming in. There's a lot more activity in that sort of area of the market than there is at the very top end. Um, and uh, so the more income you need, the more deposit you need, the more higher mortgage you need. Um, and therefore, it's very, very difficult to make a transaction particularly just thinking, like, for a first-time buyer, if you're in an area where the average price is over 300000 However, if you look at, you know, looking at the property, say, of two hundred or £150,000, pounds, maybe somewhere like Sunderland, for example, the prices there, interestingly, are still falling. And the reason that is even though the prices are cheap, is because there's not much work or any economic... There's bleak economic conditions there. What they're saying here is that if you look at areas that have still got very low prices, and we're talking particularly Halifax, which you can see on the graph there, the average house price there is about 175000 But the prices are going up 4.5% there nearly, 4.3%. Wolverhampton, 3.7%. Falkirk, 3. So in those areas where the prices are really cheap, compared to the south, let's just say... um, and where there's good employment, the house prices are very buoyant, the market is very buoyant. And I guess that's kind of obvious in a way because people have got a job and I suspect the wages differential between south and north isn't so dramatic that it isn't as affordable uh, um, in the north as it would be in the south, for example.
1: Yes, and the type of work has changed a lot, Paul. Um, you, you have to bear in mind, I mean, we, we were an uh, industrial country um manufacturing and all sorts of other things that we did we are now strongly a service based uh, country where you know and, and everyone is now not going to the high streets for argument's sake and buying online so these depots these um uh, hubs where um you know people can move maneuver things from um and become easier in such areas like Uh, the hubs of Manchester, Liverpool, Halifax, all of those areas where they offer, you know, good employments. I remember, I think I brought this up before, but I remember talking to a guy and he said, he said, well, I'm a delivery driver um, and my salary is not much different if I deliver here or I deliver in, you know, Manchester, Manchester. However, what I'm going to get for my money in terms of a house is a lot more um and i'm gonna get myself a nice three bedroom detached house or etc for the for the same money as i'm probably going to get a flat here so i've up gone to manchester and decided that i can still do deliveries there as i do deliveries here but the salary structure makes my um, living much better now he, he was he was a, quite a real guy and i thought you know he, he's really thought about this and it's, it's a good way to do it but there are other things that keep people in that area which are family hubs you know close to family parents might be in the area so you just think well uh, you know i don't want to be shifting over there all sorts of other scenarios come into it which keep people in an area that they are uh, used to and of course that means that they have to pay the price
0: just having a quick look here at uh, some comments coming in i think this is from guy morning gents for west central london the added access helps and I also think that West London hasn't gone up as much as other parts of London over the past few years. So perhaps it's just a little adjustment as well. Would you agree, Joe?
1: Well, yes, the adjustments are happening as, as time goes on. And and you know, what we have to remember while we have this discussion, I'm sure Guy will share that with us, is that we have forgotten to a large extent <laughs> that the house prices were increased up to, you know, almost twenty-five percent over the last couple of three years. And we're talking about, you know, minuscule numbers which are now making headlines as opposed to the headlines that they were making only a couple of years ago. So whilst you've had an increase in value, yes, there are minor adjustments um, and there's always going to be a correction and I'm sure there'll be a a little bit more, but it's not as as dire as one makes it out to be. And it's just because the affordability has changed, mortgage um, approvals have changed. um, And the reason why they're changed is because we've had an interest rate change you know, 14 consecutive interest rate rises in a short space of time. The lenders don't know whether they're coming or going, so they make the changes as they go along. Um, so all of those factors take into consideration. Nevertheless, you know, um, London and its commuter belt surrounding areas are still doing um, fairly well.
0: You mentioned earlier on about uh, the graphs being the other way up. And uh, this is an interesting one here, this little stat here that they've given us. Uh, so basically, uh, those they, they, they check on the amount of properties offering a discount of 5% or more. They track that figure over time. And that measure currently is at 6.5% of homes. So 6.5% of all the properties on the market have got a discount or, or have applied a discount of 5% or more. And that's back to quarter four of 2022. But interestingly, that's 60% above the five-year average. And of course, that gives you a real understanding of just how buoyant the market's been, because there were no discounts available, because it was a seller's market. Now it's a buyer's market. We're uh, 60% above the five-year average for discounts, which is an interesting factor. And that 6%,
1: that sort of offering that 5% discount is... The must sells, the ones that have got to, you have to remember there's also a level of borrowing that people have. And sometimes it's the case of saying, Well, I'd rather take a small piece as a plus and reduce it and, and get some money back rather than lose my shirt and lose the whole thing. And so the older money, which doesn't have as much borrowing, is probably sitting quite comfortable. But the new money, the people that have been developing perhaps or or bought in, uh, in the last two to three years uh, sometimes i call them um you know opportunity opportunity um, uh, landlords they've just taken maybe two or three properties that they've bought over a small period on a buy to let those people are the ones that are having to offer the discount because their rate of their their, their borrowing is now Exceeding what their returns would be, so they'd rather get out. So therefore, they would probably just turn around and say, "Well, look, I bought it for X, and you know it went up by twenty-five percent. If I knock off five percent, I'm still in in the plus. You know, I can get out. So, so it'll be a small, small section. But you know, there'll always be that. That's always been there. It's just that when things are difficult or, or difficult in uh, in most people's pocket, and here the problem has been not just the interest rates." The interest rates is one aspect. I think I've always believed that most people were always kind of expecting at some stage of the interest rates, you know, going up. But nobody bargained for all this money that we've had to pay out on utilities, your gas and your electric, your rates and all the other bits that have gone up, shopping, food shopping, you know, I get a constant reminder not only from the Home Office, <laughs> but also from, from many other people that speak and say that you know the basket doesn't get very far for for the amount of money that we're now spending, and I'm sure that's the case for most people. So we didn't bargain for those, and 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 the two coming together are the ones that have caused the bigger problem.
0: One of the impacts of higher purchasing costs, says the report, is that buyers are looking to buy smaller. Lower value homes, Joe, in, uh, or simply just delay moving until the outlook of mortgage rates is lower. Sales volumes are bearing the brunt of higher mortgage rates, of course, and are expected to be 23% lower over this year compared to last year. Our data shows sales volumes holding up in more affordable areas in the UK, such as Scotland and the Northeast. I guess it's a good time to be an agent in the North, Um, But you could argue, you know, with sales down 23%, that's nearly a quarter of a state agent's annual income disappearing this year. But they have, in fairness, had three or four years of making hay while the sun shines.
1: Yeah, but we always forget that, don't we? It's it's all about about now. And now it's a bad time. But, you know, obviously, the good times have been sort of uh, shelved. It's the same for house house homeowners, it's the same for estate agents, it's the same for anyone in that market, same for lenders. I mean, lenders were, you know, happy days. They were dishing out mortgages left, right and centre. Now they can't because not everybody's qualifying. So it's a momentary lapse in the industry, but uh, I'm sure uh, for guys watching and listening, he will also agree that this momentary lapse has happened several times in our life cycle of 40 plus years and it probably won't change going in the future, but it is it is what we, we have to get used to.
0: Yeah, they're saying that um, the sales of four... Uh, comparing trends in the last four weeks to the same period over the last five years, we find that agreed sales of family homes are down by 41%. Joe, which I mean, that's compared to average sales down 23% altogether. So the smaller homes and the flats are selling and they fall them to a lesser degree. And obviously, this is because people are just having to readjust what they can afford. If they have to move, they're going to have to perhaps downsize somewhat. But they're saying the outlook for next half of this or the second half of this year, uh, UK house prices to fall by up to 5%. Uh, The outlook for market activity and prices depends on the trajectory of the rates, of course. Um, The average mortgage rate for a five-year fixed rate at 75% loan-to-value has reached 5.4%, says the report, compared to 4% in the spring. Mortgage rates look likely to peak over the summer, the underlying cost of fixed-rate finance for banks has fallen by 0.6% over the last three weeks. This will take time to feed through into mortgage rates, which could fall below 5%, they say, in the autumn. Higher rates uh, over a longer period remain the key risk. So this really is in the Bank of England's hands, isn't it? If they keep that rate high, then this could turn out to be quite painful.
1: Yes, and I think, I mean, they will keep that. It's, it's always going to stay in the Bank of England's uh, hands. But I think, um, you know, even they've got to realise that they'll come, they'll come a point. It's the old stress factor. They'll come a point that, it, you know, they'll they'll push it beyond and, and create a crash. You know, they don't need to have um, uh, the the uh, encumbrance of Liz and, 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 and team to come in again. I mean, the Bank of England could do that for you. But I don't think that will happen. I think they, they're cautious. But I do, I do believe that um, they do need to put a little bit of a, a break on these interest rate hikes because... You know, fourteen consecutive hikes is is a very painful journey for anyone of any means. It doesn't matter, you know, how your circumstances. Yes, I, I accept the chap who is you know delirious about the interest rate going up because you're saving money. You know, and apparently, the stats are that there are more people that are saving money than um, than there are mortgages out there. But the reality is that you know the they need they need to make sure that they continue to keep this. Uh, amount lower so that people are still interested in buying and considering the shortage of property across and, and the dream and the want and the wish of every buyer every person wanting to buy a property um, I'm thinking that this will long continue
0: got this on the screen now we've got the actual um, percentage falls for each type of property so one bedroom flats sales are down 10 percent Down 9% for two-bed flats, so that's the most popular thing people are looking for, if you want to call it that. Uh, Two-bed houses are down 31%, three-bed houses down 38%, and demand for four-bed houses is down 41%. That's from the four weeks to July 23rd versus the same time in 2018. And 2022, so you can see there that it's the small uh, two-bed flat in particular, and maybe a one-bed flat that people are looking for right now, which is the precise opposite of the race for space, ironically.
1: <laughs> well, yes, of course, and and the race for space was uh, was literally a panic in in a in, in a pandemic, um, you know, and, and actually most people have almost forgotten that we we went through that race for space journey at that time because the you know the world was going to collapse again the media has a tremendous amount of power and how they want you to direct it and they directed that very very well to make sure that everybody was running away from cities and out into the country but now reality kicks in being in the country is not as you know advantageous as it was perhaps being in the city especially for the younger generation they may may be a little bit more comfortable for the older generation but for the younger generation you know they want to be where the bright lights are they want to be where it's happening and um so in hordes they are coming back into places like london manchester liverpool um these all the big cities especially with the universities and so forth um that's why the cities are, are are always going to be popular but yes all with caution
0: Zupler say that, uh, or estimate that the uh, if rates even if rates fall back to four to five percent uh, later this year into 2024 H1, we expect house prices. They say to remain very low for the next one to two years. House prices are likely to lag behind the growth in price inflation and earnings as house prices adjust to a high level of mortgage rates. Southern England and the Midlands are where house prices and incomes need to realign. Uh, through uh, though most very low nominal growth of modest price falls. So so what they're saying is that there the needs to be this period of adjustment and, and with good reason because obviously the price over the last couple of years has been um, outstripping wages by quite some margin, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that that will ever find its real new balance but it's got to find the real new balance. The real new balance has got to be considering, obviously, as we know, there's been, you know, a barrage of strikes in all sectors over the last six months or so, um, primarily looking to have increased wages, primarily because the cost of living has become so expensive. Um, And so therefore, you know they they do, but it will take a couple of years, 18 months, two years, if not maybe a bit more for it to kind of level out to see what the next phase in our life is going to be. But it's not going to change dramatically. The demand for housing will always remain good. The demand for people wanting to have their own home ultimately will always remain good. It's never changed. It's just about the timing more than anything else, and you know whether they are going to buy them in, in cities or whether they're going to buy them outside will all depend on what kind of work they do or family lives actually you know dictate that journey. But the reality is that when we look at um, our country in, in in the in the context of the globe. We're a tiny little island by comparison Um, and with a great demand of people wanting to come in Um, when you read the news and see that they bring in silly things like barges to start to accommodate people which just look hideous i just wouldn't want to see that on the coast of any country Um, you know it just tells you that there is just no stopping people wanting to come here and if they're coming here they want to buy
0: a uh, comment here from uh, Guy. He says that um, uh, he doesn't normally hold an August auction, but this year, with strong demand from motivated sellers, we've had to, we've added two auctions in. With our sales being online, we expect to have some bidding from the beach this year. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess that's a, that's a, that's a thing you're seeing with your auction business as well, isn't it, Joe? Because obviously, you know, people are looking to uh, to to in some cases to get a distressed sale, and an auction is a great way because you can get that done in 28 days.
1: Yeah, I mean, the method of auction uh, sale by auction is really um, underestimated by the, the average person. They most people believe that you know if you're selling a property through auction it's it's something that has got a, a, a problem it's not it's really a tremendous method uh, that is available to all and it doesn't matter whether you think it's a distress sale or not it's not all about the distress sale it's about the method and yes people are using that because the traditional method, as we just talked about, is from an estate agency point of view, the process is so prolonged, not only just because of the mortgages and, and the stress test, the financial uh, tests that people have, but it becomes an opportunity for buyers, and especially those properties that are lying empty, um, which are costing people. They then work out the cost and, and decide that it's probably better to just try and get it sold at auction so the customers feel that auction is a good, good buy, they get a lower price. They probably do because people are being sensible about their guide prices and, and what they're going to be actually reserving. So, yes, I'm certainly finding a lot more people just like guys who are coming on board uh, and want to sell within a given time as opposed to try the long way.
0: Moving on to our second story. I'm going to be quite brief on this one because I really want to get to our third. And we've talked quite a lot about uh, where we are in the market. But uh, people facing eviction or repossession in England and Wales will be able to receive expert legal advice free of charge, which I thought was an important announcement this week. Sounds a little bit like electioneering to me, but uh, call me an old cynic. With a view to helping them to keep their homes and avoid lengthy, costly court proceedings under a new government-backed scheme. The advice will be available from the moment a written notice is received by a tenant or a homeowner, interestingly, which could be in the form of an email from a landlord or a letter from a mortgage provider. They will be able to have legal representation in court regardless of their financial circumstances. Now, this is interesting. Legal support for housing, debt and welfare benefit matters will help with the wider issues individuals at risk of losing their home may face. It's part of an extra 10 million pounds a year being pumped into housing legal aid by the government. It's a wraparound care service expected to help tens of thousands of families a year to keep their homes, improve their finances, and gain access to support to improve their health and life prospects. That sounds like the government press release. Uh, a dedicated webpage launched this week for anyone looking to access the free advice. This is, uh, Justice Minister Lord Bellamy saying having access to the right legal aid at the earliest point possible is crucial for those who face losing their home uh, to ensure they have the support they need. So, in other words, uh, this is uh, alongside the Renters' Reform Bill, so... Uh, They're saying that the Housing Loss Prevention Advice Service supports wide Wider government work to reduce homelessness and improve the private rented sector for responsible renters and good faith landlords, which is a new three word anachronism they're coming up with, through the Renters Reform Bill. Changes on the bill, which is going through Parliament, will abolish the use of no fault evictions, empowering renters to challenge poor landlords without fear of losing their home. So basically, they're saying that uh, they're going to do everything they can to make sure that people stay in their homes, whether that's the landlord trying to get them out or the mortgage um, lender
1: that's right i mean that that's not uh, you know not 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 unexpected we we discussed that there will have to be a point because when you look at the level of um borrowing that has gone up people have found it very difficult to meet the the new targets and there's just no way that the government could see um homelessness ex- uh you know uh, expanding um, higher than it is already because they haven't built enough houses paul so they've got nowhere else for these people to put put them if they were becoming homeless second part is of course you know they've done a damn good job on kicking every buy to let buy to let uh, uh, landlord who have decided to you know leave that part of the industry that part of the business in hoards so they don't want to come into that at all. So again, more people just want to sell and not actually rent out on the private uh, rental sector. Um, so they've got no choice really, but to offer assistance. Um, and the government will uh, drive that because the last thing they want to do is have evictions and have people out of their homes, only to find that they're going to be knocking on the government's door in the first place to help them find another place. So uh, of course, I'm not at least uh, surprised about the, this action, and as you rightly say, it's, it is partly electioneering and it's partly saving their own bacon. Because obviously, with with the cost of living and mortgage rate going up, there is clear evidence that not only is it the the rental properties that people can't afford the rents that the landlords are having to put up, and landlords don't want to put that that, that rent up. You know, some some might, some might be very. You know cunning and clever landlords and the others will be, be say you know what i like my tenant we get on really well and i don't really want to go around there and tell them to put the rent up but because the mortgage is now higher than what rent i'm getting i've got no choice either to tell them that they've got to pay me more money and if they can't afford that i've got to give them notice they are going to knock on the door of the of the council the council are going to send them to court, and the courts are going to say no, we can't get you out of here. You're just going to have to wait. So the, circuit, the that situation is going to be quite a prolonged one and there's absolutely no surprise in my mind. But yes, uh, communication is the answer to the problem. Well, not
0: only do we have a minister for levelling up and housing, we also have... Uh... A Minister for Housing and Homelessness. Now Felicity Bucken is her name. She must have the fullest in tray of any government minister I'd imagine. But she says they're spending a billion pounds on this through the homelessness prevention grant, which can be used at work to work with landlords to prevent evictions. At the same time, our renters reform bill will give tenants more security in their homes by abolishing section twenty one, no fault evictions. One billion pounds doesn't seem to me like this is progress. Well, it's
1: not not progress at all. This this is um, probably a deviation, isn't it, of of all the other issues by saying that here we are going to do certain things to try and help people, but it's a small drop in the ocean for what the bigger problem really sits. Um, and um, you know it's, it's not going to be solved in a, in a short time. They're not going to build as many houses as they keep promising they're going to build. The system doesn't allow it, and and most of their decisions are actually not good decisions. Like I said right at the outset of this program. Some of the things that we read on graphs and paperwork is not actually what the reality is. The reality in the street is much, much different. And some of these government ministers perhaps need to walk the streets and understand and get off their desks and come out and look in and have a touch and a feel of the real life and really see what some of those people are actually going through and perhaps consider some of those policies and all this money that they're spending. But. In paper they like to make it look a billion pounds here and, you know, ten percent of this and that and there. It's it's great. But people on the street don't see that. They just they just think it's it's gone into the system, but they don't get the benefit.
0: I want to spend some time on this final story because this is fascinating. This is Mr Gove in the news again. Um, It's a site that's becoming ever more familiar in towns and cities across the UK. Shops and offices being converted to residential use. Use use even. (laughs) Speaking (laughs) in July, Housing Secretary Michael Gove targeted making it easier to turn commercial premises like shops and restaurants into residential accommodation. It's the changing face of our local high street. It's an inexhaustible uh, process and it's no longer hard to imagine that in the not too distant future a high street will simply be a pedestrianised place of homes and coffee shops and presumably convenience stores um, and it will hardly look like the traditional old high street with traditional shops in. So it's an interesting thing. According to the latest data from Searchland, a development site sourcing specialist, there are 28,000 sites with an estimated market value of over 1.5 billion located across England, primed to be converted from commercial use to residential property. The platform compiled a list of uh, the number of buildings that are Class MA, as they're called, meaning they have permitted development rights to be converted into residential property. London has roughly a third of all England sites, numbering 8,985, with an estimated market value of nearly 928 million. Capital is followed by the South East and East of England at 5,729 and 2848, respectively, with these sites worth £385.4 and £186 million. Pounds. Not surprisingly, the northeast has the fewest, just eight hundred and forty, uh, in the in the northeast. So basically, our high street is going to become a community centre with high rise living, presumably, and just a few coffee shops.
1: Yeah, it's a sore subject for me, uh, Paul. This this one, um, because I think that the high streets are now ghettos. They are just not high streets. What what they are, and they need to go back to being proper high streets. These um, what we call dream plans, or I call them dream plans of, of high rise and coffee shops and, and sort of plazas and piazzas and, you know, perhaps the um, uh, European lifestyle that people think exist does not and will not work in the United Kingdom. We have more rain than sun here. Nobody wants to sit down and have an aperitif you know, sitting on the the piazza and and talking and and having a nice wine and seeing the world go by. Um, But unfortunately, um, they don't get it. Um, Yes, there are lots of shops empty. They're all empty, primarily in closed-off areas where people just find it difficult to go to. Um, If you had the choices of going to some of the stores and you had the choice of parking and the choice of just ease and and commute, you're always going to travel. It's human nature. You know, I use an, always an, an uh, analogy of a, a drive-through of a, um, of a McDonald's somewhere and one in the town center, which you can't get to, you know the one you're going to go. You're going to drive the extra half a mile, mile, and go through the drive-through one. And that's what is killed the high street. The high street does not need to be a ghetto. It needs to be a, a community hub where people would like to go shopping would like to meet, would like the elderly to go out and have somewhere to go, they they bring a huge amount. They are, they're they're in good money, majority of them, they can bring good money into the shops and they want to go to the shops, but those shops are now, what's living on the high street is absolutely, you're right, restaurants and perhaps nail bars and pound shops and all the other things that, yeah, the big stores are out, outside of town or are serving through, um, distribution hubs throughout the country even this week alone you know as small as it might sound but someone like Wilco who has been producing and and, and being part of the high streets all over the country like it used to be the Woolworths and the Nexts and all the others they're all disappearing to just hubs and not everybody wants to to go out to the hubs so that leaves lots of empty shops now what they're saying is that those empty shops can be converted into residential That's good news, obviously, for those that own it, because that gives them under permitted development rights the chance to convert an empty shop. But that also kills what is left of the high street. Um, And then that conversion has got to be sympathetic. Some of these conversions that have been done, you know, you wouldn't if you, you know, I'm sure you love your pets, but if you had a pet, you would not want them to be living in some of the squalors that they create. And that is what happens in, in, in these hubs. They, they just end up with ghettos. Um, and I, I really don't agree with uh, Michael Go or anyone else's policy to turn what our current high streets into even worse ghettos.
0: Yeah, Guy just shared the same point, actually, just saying that the quality of the conversions is the real concern with uh, permitted development rights. But if you look at the numbers here, Joe, it is quite staggering. So the amount of floor space just in London This is the square footage that could be converted into housing. 1.4 million square feet of property. So in London, a typical commercial site has an average 157 square feet of space, which compares to the English average of 170. If you go up to the north, although they don't have as many sites, the average site in Yorkshire and Humber... They've got plenty of space, 186.3 square feet on average per property. So that's 1.41 million uh, square feet of property in London. No wonder Gove is keen to do this because he's getting, if you like, prime building land, but through the back door, isn't he? And he doesn't even have to build the buildings. They've just
1: got to be converted. The thing is that, in my opinion, in London, it can work primarily because they have streets, You know, there's not many places that they can turn into a a ghetto unless they've created a new development somewhere like, you know, Canary Wharf, for example, which is right out of the way. And and that, you know, that sort of area is a new way. But all of central London, the London that we know to be London, so West London, Mayfair, you know, all that park lane, that kind of stuff, there's no way that they can uh, make that into a, a, a ghetto as such. And so those shops that might be like empty, which there are very few of, by the way, you know, there might be some in the side streets, but as a rule on the main road, very rarely do you find that there is something empty. And those commercial landlords, owners, are definitely not going to be looking to convert them into residential because there is a different value in the commercial aspect of that. You know, the commercial aspect holds a completely different value and a return on their investment than turning it into lots of michael Gove is living in dream land you know to think that all these landlords who think he thinks they've got free property they're going to give to him through the back door he's not going to get it he's going to have to pay for it somewhere or another in order to get that you know, to, if i had a property in park lane for argument's sake i know it's the top of the road or something like oxford street why would you want to convert that on the ground floor into a residential area you just don't want to do that because this is the road on the other hand i have to say watching the news during the week to find that now the the most expensive road or the most desirable uh, high street in the uk being oxford street is now the most desirable place for homeless people to sleep because you know it has got the best light and it's the safest and it was it was just crazy to see the number of people that camp outside places like Selfridges and all the others that that allows them to happen so you know that doesn't help the situation and that is what will only increase if we turn these places into you know closed off areas.
0: The CEO of Searchland says that disused commercial sites clearly are the cornerstone of the government's approach to solving the UK's housing problems if the rhetoric of Michael Gove is anything to go by Our data demonstrates that developers already have the opportunity to turn thousands of commercial properties into residential developments, and these sites currently hold significant value in the current market. If you're a developer looking for a site, availability is best in London and the southeast, but if you want to buy big commercial sites, Yorkshire and Humber is the place to be. I mean, it does seem to make sense from a government point of view, um, and also from a developer's point of view, the person that's going to get the contract to do the work Because uh, if they, or at least from the owner's point of view, should I say, not the developer, I mean, that's going to be good business for them to do, obviously. But if they're able to convert it and and stack it high because they own the block that goes up six or seven stories, then they're going to get the good return from the square footage, aren't they?
1: Yes, and I think this, you know, the government is spending £7 million a day, I think, you know, on homelessness, on, on asylum seekers and hotels and these... You know ugly looking barges that have been bought and so forth if they actually use their own common sense and, and put some of these people into what commercial properties perhaps in the other parts of the country that might actually be a more useful way of spending it and keeping the things right but you know they just don't look further than their nose it's all about today and then they realize they they've spent made a mistake and then they think oh well that's another good idea and they continue with good ideas they really need to sort of get around to the the table and and talk to the people that are probably on the front line Um, and I've often offered that service I mean I've just not you know Gove is obviously shy to pick up the phone and have a chat with me but you know it's it's (laughs) it is important for them to understand that the reality is very very different to what they actually keep coming up with but the idea of converting commercial properties especially uh, side road commercials which were perhaps not useful I, I'm totally against the idea of what we call the main high street because you know, every town has a hub and the hub fundamentally is the high street. That's the go-to thing. That's where the high streets were created. So if you want your necessities, you go to the high street, for example, if it was post office and all that kind of stuff. Yes, it's now diminished, it's become online and so forth, but there are lots of other products that are available in the high street. The shops that are on the sides, perhaps off of the high streets, that are now surplus to requirement can just be converted into residential, and I think they will be accepted much, much better.
0: Well, lots to talk about this week, Joe. I hope uh, that that hasn't delayed you as you've been uh, listening or watching till our show this week. Um, thank you for staying with us. And I hope you've enjoyed the conversation this week, and thanks for your contributions. Uh, of course, we'll be back next time with another Property Matters Very Soon.